welcome back, everybody. It's time once again for Closing the Wealth Gap. The one show, maybe the only show that shows you how to close the wealth gap in your own life with the man who's done it for many, our wealth coach himself, Tyrone French. Hey, Tyrone. Welcome to another episode of Closing the Wealth Gap. I'm your host, Tyrone French. Uh, as always, thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you value this content, please go to closingthewealthgap.net. Hit that follow button. Also, I'd like for you to go to tyronefrench.coach. Uh, that's where we have our wealth club. We have information uh, regarding the website. There's service links that you can click on there for calculators and articles. Um, it's just a really good resource, uh, it's, and it's free. So feel free. It's, it's open 24 hours a day, uh, seven days a week. And now that we got all the business stuff taken care of, oh, I do want to mention though and give a great shout out um, to a fantastic company called Saveology. And Saveology is a financial wellness platform. It's a free platform and offers a free world-class financial plan. I recommend it to all of my clients and people that I come in contact with just in passing. I refer everyone to Saveology.com. Or you can just go to uh, saveology.com forward slash Tyrone French. That's my link, whereas you're going to get uh, extra uh, some extra information. But again, everybody check out Saveology. Uh, you probably haven't heard of that company yet or heard of it yet, but uh, in the future, uh, it's going to be a household name. So with further ado, I want to introduce my announcer and good friend, Mr. Paul Roberts. Paul, how's it going? Buddy? Oh, okay. Yeah, welcome. Hey, and I just want to do a shout out to you and everybody else. You know, people don't hear these in order. They never know when we record them. But we just did this right after Veterans Day here in 2022. So a little shout out to the veterans like you. You're, you. Do you get a double shout out because you're a double veteran? Do you get well, you two know, shout outs? I, I, you know, Paul, I, again, it's like, man, it was, it was my, it was a pleasure and an honor to serve. I mean, there were certain, certain days I would pinch myself. I was like, wow, they're paying me to do this? Yeah. You know, I and it, it's like um, my backstory is I grew up in South Central LA. Right. I uh, was bored with the whole educational system. I knew I was going into the military. Uh, I joined the Navy and I went to uh, my background is avionics, uh, avionics and electronics. And I can remember the times when I was sitting in, in class and every class you had to pass each one of those modules with 100 percent accuracy. Wow. Well, you didn't you didn't you didn't make it through the school. Wow. And so, again, I would just be sitting in class just pinching myself because I'm learning, you know, trigonometry and quadratic equations and and circuitry and understanding how radar and communications, you know, it was just like it, it opened up a brand new world to me. And with the travel, uh, one day I, I found myself sitting in Singapore in this five star restaurant. I couldn't have done that at, at 20 years old. No, I've never know? done that. But so then yeah. you went and did it again. You left and went. Uh, am I correct? You went and joined another branch of the service and served. Uh, joined the army. Joined the army with the hopes of becoming a uh, warrant officer. And after I did an evaluation, I really kind of figured out, you know, what I really, really wanted to do. And that's when I kind of committed to uh, finance and financial planning. And I actually became an accredited financial counselor. Uh, while I was on active duty uh, in the U.S. Army. There you go. But there can't be many that go through, uh, that do a tour of duty, or, or, or several, in one branch, and then go join another. That's just I've never heard of. Hey, you know what? If if I had been kind of 
coherent is based on my planning when I was like maybe 19, 20 year old, a 19, 20 year old, uh, I would have joined every branch, all five branches. Wow. Now, I probably wouldn't advance through the ranks. I probably would have, the most I probably would have earned was maybe E5, mm-hmm. which may be a sergeant or, you know, a tech sergeant or, uh, I mean, uh, maybe a corporal or mm-hmm. specialist in the army. But I would have had the experience of joining all five branches. So I for me to rank didn't the know you could do that. I've never heard anybody do that. So I just, my hat's off to you. You get two shouts out today here. <laughs> well, it used to be a time when you, if, you had, if you were prior service, um, definitely the Air Force wouldn't take you. But, you know, they kind of laxed on, on that regulation. So, yeah, I, you know, for me, it would have been a challenge. Would you have gone into the space service? What's the five now? We got the Air Force, the Army, the, the Navy, now. the Corps. Now we have the Space Force. Now we got the Space Force. The hey, hey, you know, even back in uh, World War II, uh-huh. um, it was the Army Air Corps. It, it was, was the Air my, Force. My dad was in the Army Air Corps. Yeah. Exactly. So the, the nomenclature, the name, they always sound ambiguous in the beginning or kind of foreign in the beginning. But after a while, I mean, just like uh, Google, you know. Used to be also known as the War Department. That that was their whole purpose. War. Now it's defense. You know. That, that's that's right. That's right. So Not again, attack. in the beginning, things seem they seem they're, they're nuanced, but they seem kind of new and and the, the the acronyms or they don't roll off the tongue. But after a period of time, you you know you get used to it. Well, none of that makes sense to me when I hear it. It's all Greek to me, and the title of today's show makes even less sense to me here. I. I I can't believe it. I, you're, you're, you, you must be fooling. What's the title of today's show? Well, and perfect segue, but it, it's savers are the biggest losers. <sighs> what? And I'm going to repeat that again. That you know, because I know it sounds it's like it's, it's like an oxymoron, right? But savers really are the biggest losers in a capitalistic society. And That's not what I was taught. Save your pennies from your little kid. They take you down to the bank and teach you how to open a savings account. And you're always supposed to be get a piggy bank and put your money in, save your coin. Saving, saving, saving is what they teach, or at least they used to teach kids. The first time I ever heard that, I was reading a book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. And later, uh, The Cash Flow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. Famous. And I heard him, you know, he was like, savers are the biggest losers. I was like, wait a minute, everything... Everything in our culture based on financial planning and counseling says that you have to save money. Right. And that even uh, most financial advisors would advise you to save at least three to six months uh, of your income for emergencies. Right. So how can savers be the biggest losers? It, it has everything to do with the vehicle, how you save. Mm. And imagine if, uh, and it's based on monetary devaluation. As a matter of fact, let me step back a little bit. Um, right. There's this guy uh, named Alan Greenspan. <laughs> I heard of him Are once you, or twice. Yeah, I, older our older viewers know who Al, Alan Greenspan is. They're well familiar with him, but a lot chair. of younger people have never heard of Alan Greenspan. Well, basically, he wrote a book called "Gold and Economic Freedom" back in 1966, and this is when the dollar was still on the gold standard. When he wrote, the, well, he wrote an article. And so for people that don't know Alan Greenspan, he was basically the Fed chair from, I guess it was 1987, August 1987 to January 2006. And he served under President President Reagan, George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton, and, and George W. Bush. Four so presidents. This guy served for a long time as the Fed chair. That's why everybody chair, knew him. Exactly. Yeah. But again, he wrote this article back in 1966 called Gold and Economic Freedom. And what he was talking about was the deficit spending. 
Now, if you think about what was going on back in 1966, it was during Vietnam. Yeah. And, you know, at the time, the dollar was tied to gold. Mm -hmm. A dollar was good as gold because it was it was a gold standard. And that standard was set after World War Two back in 1944, which actually it, it was implemented back in 1946. Um, didn't go. We didn't go off the gold standard until 1971 when Richard Nixon took us off the gold standard. I remember but something happened in 1966 that was relevant because all the other nations started looking at the United States saying, hey, look, these guys are printing a lot of dollars and they probably don't have the gold to, to back, back these dollars. Because when you do a war, you're just buying stuff that doesn't make anything. It's a bomb. It's a bullet. It explodes. And then you go buy another one. It's not like buying a piece of machinery or investing in something that might have some return on it. It blows up. It's gone. It's a one-time expense. It's like going to Vegas and blowing all your money on on the roulette <laughs> wheel. You know, it, maybe it comes back in some weird way, but it's probably just all gone. But what what the average American doesn't understand about the deficit is they look at the the numbers that are going up, and they'll complain about the deficit, but they don't understand even how the money is distributed. Uh, when you're talking about war and you're talking about defense, you're talking about contracts. And so it's the contractors that's that's getting the lion's share of these money. When Congress passes those uh, those allowances to pay for line items, uh, these are contracts. Yeah. Contractors that this money is going to. And it's no different than if they literally cranked up the printing machine because they're giving people... They're paying them. I don't know how they pay. They don't pay them in actual currency, but the government issues a check, and these people take it to the bank and cash it. Uh, and it's it's money that they have added. What do you say? It's a, it's deficit spending. We don't have we're, we don't have that much money coming in. We're spending more than we're taking in. Well, let me make a make make a slight example of deficit spending. Imagine again, you're working payday to payday. Right. You're you're you 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 understand what your income and your expenses are. And so we're basically your production is less than your consumption. You're consuming more than you're taking in. So at the end of the month, you have less money. You got more month than money. So I'd go bankrupt if I if I spent more every month than I brought in. I'd go bankrupt sooner or later. The bills would come due, and I wouldn't have the cash to do it because I can't go print my own money. So what we do because we can't print more money, and sometimes we don't have the hours to work to make more money right we'll create the, in order to call to close that shortfall we'll use credit yeah we borrow you borrow and so the united states does the same thing it's no different it's just on a macro scale right and so the average consumer yeah you're doing the same thing if you don't have enough money coming in uh you're going to start running a deficit and pretty soon uh you're going to be bankrupt the difference between the united states and alan greenspan said this um, the United States can never go bankrupt because we can always print more money. The as, issue as is, long as people accept it as real as as not funny money. As long as people say, "I'll take that as payment." Yeah, I could put a dollar on the screen, and I can put a, a monopoly dollar on the screen, and I could ask people, "What's the difference between the two? They're both paper." One That's is one backed thing. by the full faith and credit of the federal government here. But we say that, Paul, but it's not backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government. It's backed by the belief of the taxpayers 
that 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 they can use that money as a medium of exchange, right? Because the but government doesn't good pay for something, for anything. You know, the and the government doesn't pay for anything. It's the taxpayer. And there have been everything. periods in history. I as a kid, I, I we talked about one of your shows, your coin collecting, and I collected some oddball things that I found along the way. One was Confederate dollars. I still have some Confederate dollars somewhere here. And during the Confederate reign, uh, when they seceded and for a few years, people in the South accepted that as real currency. You got a Confederate dollar, that was as good as anything else. By the end of the war, it was pretty, pretty clear the Confederacy was falling and this government wasn't going to last. Nobody was accepting that stuff. You could, it was well, just... The same, same thing happened in Germany with the German marks. Exactly. I mean, people got to the point where in order to get a, a loaf of bread, they had to have a, a wheelbarrow full of these things. Yeah. And, and they, they got to the point where they just started using it for you know to stay warm they start put throwing it in the fire yeah so that goes back to our show based on savers are the biggest losers because in a deficit when you're running a deficit your the dollar is becoming watered down mm -hmm. and alan greenspan wrote a he wrote a paper in 1966 and in that article and i'm just going to read just a couple of excerpts it says in the absence in the absence of the gold standard there is no way to protect savings from confiscation through, through inflation. Now, I'm going to repeat this. In the absence of the gold standard, there is no way to protect savings from confiscation through inflation. Confiscation of your savings. I'm reaching in. You saved this money, and I'm, I'm confiscating it. I'm taking it from you. I'm stealing it from you. I'm taking it away. Because but the person doesn't see it because of its purchasing power. See, yeah. if you let, imagine you take, uh, you got $100 in the bank. And we're, again, we're talking about savers. Right. You got $100 in the bank. And you, and you, it makes you feel good just knowing that you have a reserve. Right. But the longer you keep that money in the bank, because again, you're not earning any interest on it. Not today. Just based on inflation, you're losing your purchasing power. Meaning the money is being devalued just based on because today if I took alone. it out I get a hundred dollars theoretically but tomorrow at a five percent or six percent or seven percent inflation I get seven percent less I get ninety three dollars or something worth well, of actually goods look at it like this uh, back in when this article was written back in nineteen sixty six you can get a coke for five cents yeah right a bottle of coke for five cents as a matter of fact I'll even take it a little bit further. Let uh, people talk about the 50s and the 60s and, you know, wanting to go back to that time. You can actually you can literally get a burger, fries and a Coke uh, for around 33 cents. <laughs> and fast forward today, you can't get that same burger, fries and Coke for 33 cents. But here's the here's the analogy, Paul. If you go to a fast food restaurant today and you order the combo, right. it's a burger, fries and a Coke or uh, a drink. It's going to cost you around ten bucks, okay. But if you had a uh, if you had a silver eagle, a one ounce silver eagle, and you took that one ounce silver eagle to a coin dealer and you traded it in, they'd give you thirty three dollars for that coin. So, what is one third of thirty three dollars? One third of this rounded off to just thirty dollars. So Eleven bucks. Like 10 bucks. Yeah, right. Your your meal. Bucks. So. A dollar, if that Happy Meal really still only costs one-third of a dollar. See, back in 1966, a burger, fries, and a Coke was one-third of a dollar. One-third of a dollar. 
fast forward, you can't get it for a dollar because the dollar has been devalued. So you have to have more of them based on inflation. So it's going to cost you $10. But if you took that, see, a one ounce coin back in 1966 was equivalent to a dollar. Right. So if you took that same one ounce coin to a coin dealer and traded it in for $30 and to get a Happy Meal or to get the combo, it would still be one third. Why did we go of off the? Coin. Nobody can ever explain this to me. You're going to try right now. Why did we ever go off the gold standard? Why did Richard Nixon, in his wisdom, decide we don't need to so that they could just print money without having anything behind it? Because that that's how you transfer wealth. You that's when you run deficits. Mm-hmm. That's how you begin to confiscate wealth, and so the rich. When you talk about the haves and the have-nots, right? Uh, you can't have that system without deficit spending. Really, you can't have that. You cannot have that system. Meaning that, if even if you look at the time of just doing COVID, the top ten percent. Well, let's narrow it down. We'll talk about the top one percent. The wealth of the top one percent skyrocketed. Jeff Bezos and uh, Elon Musk and all these people we read about and people so like that. So what is the correspondence or what is the correlation between that COVID period the COVID period of time and something else skyrocketed right after COVID? Uh, well you talked inflation. about inflation, yeah, right. Inflation. So when when things are inflated, imagine just you're just looking at your uh your your uh income and expense assets and liabilities so when you look at your balance sheet if you have the same assets but based on inflation now those at those assets become more valuable like your house just like your house so what does that do to your balance sheet what does that do to your net worth just it increases sit, it. Yeah. It's, I, my head spins at all this stuff. I can't be the only one here trying to figure out how all this stuff works and stay ahead of it. You're, but you're saying the gist of what I'm get what you're saying is, if I understand it correctly, is holding dollars in a bank, those dollars buy less and less and less and less. You don't get enough back from the bank in to keep up with inflation. So inflation... That dollar today buys less tomorrow and less tomorrow. So it looks like still feels like a dollar, but unlike a silver dollar that went up, uh, or a gold it's, dollar, uh, a, a, a silver eagle or a, a piece of gold, even even a gold eagle, gold eagle, yes, that it went maintains, up. It maintains its future purchasing power. So let, let's not the even paper say went down. Look at it like the longer you hold on to a dollar. Mm-hmm. You're cutting it in half. Wow, that's an image. So imagine uh, everybody listening right now. Go down to the bank, get all your dollars out, and then take those bills and cut them in half and go hand them back to the bank. <laughs> Do that every so often. Because that would again, be what you're doing. Just over a period of time, the dollar is not going to purchase as much. So it's like when my dad decided that he wanted to retire. He started working at, for Wonder Bread. Uh, he worked there for about 45 years. Yeah. And so he still had a pension and he still had, uh, when he retired, he had his pension and he had social security and he had, he used his home as an ATM machine Sure. because he was able to get a line of credit or a home equity line of credit on his home and pull cash out of that house. But again, at the same time, he was still borrowing. 
So even though the value of that property was going up over a period of time, because he bought his house in 1971, my mother still lives there today, and they paid, uh, I think it was $27,000 for that house. $27,000. You couldn't he, get a car for $27,000. He passed away in 2019. That house was worth over $550,000. Wow. In South Central LA. Wow. And so what changed? It wasn't the house. It wasn't the land. It was inflation. So and just so saving people, money it, is right. you're, you're behind. You're a lo- you're losing if you just stick it in a piggy. And worse, if you don't even stick it in a bank, bank might give you one percent. What about people that just stick it in a mattress? Again, it goes back to what we're talking about this show. Savers are the biggest losers because the money is not growing. It's not compounding. And so that's why you may get in a regular passbook savings account. You may get uh, half a percent. Today, right. But you're not keeping pace with the inflation rate. We call it the consumer price index. It's not keeping it's not keeping pace with the prices of goods and services. Why don't the banks give me back? I'm giving it to them because they want me to give them those hand on those dollars because then they loan them to somebody. That's how they make money. They don't make money holding it. You don't pay the bank to hold your money and protect your money. You give it. They protect it supposedly for you so you won't lose it, won't get stolen. And then they take it and lend it out to people and make money off of that lending, that interest. What you just said, I want you to think about this. And I want our listeners to think about this. People talk about how the, the the money is being watered down just based on the Fed and the U.S. government printing more dollars. Mm-hmm. But it's actually based on bank credits that's also circulating. Oh, because they allow the bank to loan more and then they issue more credit or they pull back and say, no, you got to have most of this on reserve. You can't well, loan it all digits. out. You're using whether you're using a credit card or whether you're using digits, the, the, the banks the the Federal Reserve create money out of thin air Poof. to buy bonds from the federal government. You let's say you work for the federal government. Now that money turns in. They took the Federal Reserve, took that money. The banks issued cash to the federal government. The federal government now can take that money and they can pay. Let's say they're paying the troops. But what is the first thing the troops going to do with their money? They're going to take it to the bank. Yeah. And what is the bank going to do with it? They're going to loan it out again at a higher interest rate. Yeah. And so over a period of time. We want, I mean, if you own something of value, you want it to decrease or do you want it to increase? You ready for it to increase? Yeah, pretty obvious question. So if it's increasing, even just based on the inflation rate, you got a false sense of security thinking that what you have is more valuable than what it, when what it really is. It's just in, the price is just actually inflated. That's but am I the problem. only one that was, maybe it's the generation I grew up in, in the, I was born in the 50s and grew up in the 60s. And every message was, save your bank. You got a piggy bank when you were a little kid to start putting some coins away. And then at some point, your parents took you proudly down to the bank when you were 8 or 10 or 12, and you opened up a little savings account. And and I'll tell you how funny it is. Real quickly, I love watching old TV shows. Shows you've long since forgotten even exist. They run them on, like, you know, uh, Amazon other things. And I'm watching The Rifleman. That was one of my favorite shows when oh, I was a little yeah. kid. Chuck Connors yeah. and The Rifleman here. And here he is 
saving the West, beating up all the bad guys here, all these Westerns that were on TV. And what does he keep telling his kid every other episode? Let's go down to the bank, Mark, and open up a, a savings account. Mark puts his $1 in. I just saw that episode last night. And in the midst of him saving the town from more bad guys that ride in and shoot it up, he always stops to tell his son, put your money in the bank. And I thought they're very subtly but very seriously trying to train us little kids to be savers. Exactly. And so even today, when you talk to any financial planner worth their salt, they're going to they're gonna sing the same tune. Yeah. Save three to six months of your money in the bank for an emergency. Cash. Now, some, some will get a little bit more sophisticated because, again, your money, your savings needs to be liquid. Right. For emer- and, again, that's the tie-in. It needs to be liquid. For emergencies, you need to have access to it. Right. That's, that's where the liquidity aspect comes from. But when you do that and you take on less risk, you're not going to get as much a return on that. So you may, let's say you decide to put the money in a CD, a certificate as a deposit. You're not going to get a very, you're not going to get a high rate of return from that. Let's say if you even put the money into a money market account. Again, it's still savings, but you're not going to get a high rate of return. It's still not going to exceed uh, the, 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 infra- the inflation rate. So you're still going behind. You're still going. You're, I know you love to refer to the Bible traction. once in a while, and there's I, I I can't quote it like you can, but I know there's that one story they always talk about where the 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 uh, the guy the it goes to his servants and he says, "Here, I want to see how you can handle this money," and he gives one guy some money, and the guy's so scared he'll lose it, he buries it in the ground, and then he comes you know back later and he says, "See, I didn't lose it," and he beats him and kicks him out. And he says, "That's not what I wanted. I wanted you to do something with it, not just not lose it." That that's a great analogy because again, if you read if when if our readers go back and read that scripture in the Bible. What it says was they and he, the person, his service invested that money yeah. and they multiplied it. Right. The good so servant. Yeah, right. He turned the good servants turned it in. They multiplied it by two. So the one that had five, by the time the master came back, or we can say the employer, uh, by, by the time he came back, he said, here's 10. The one that had three, by the time he came back again, he gave him six. He said, and even in that same analogy, in that scripture, he said, at the very minimum, you should have put my money in the bank so that I would have had mine with interest. But I, I always related to the poor guy that he suddenly got something he never had before. He didn't know what to do with it. So he put it in the ground to be safe. And he came back proudly and said, see, I was a good steward. I didn't lose your money. He said, I, I, I didn't give it to you just to hold it. I gave you to do something with it. The analogy is that what he was saying is that you were afraid. Yeah, All right. Fear. Right. Fear. You were afraid of losing it. So best based on your fear, you decided to do nothing. Right. And that's the, and again, that's the more of the story. He did nothing. And so it was like, well, wait a minute. That's, that's not why I hired you. Right. I needed you. you. You're supposed to be productive. Right. And so that's why he dismissed him. So, again, people tend to do things based on fear, even with investing. I don't want to invest and get a higher rate of return because I might lose all my money. Exactly. And for some people, that that fear is founded. You know, they they want to take on too much risk. They want to get something for nothing. And, yes, they end up they end up losing it. But we're so, all afraid of losing. Once you get something, it's so hard to get it. You're afraid of losing it. Exactly. So how do you overcome this? How, what, is the, what is the fix to this? 
you need to put yourself in a position where you're creating a large enough income stream so that your income outpaces inflation. Yeah. Because you can't do it by by just saving alone because savings not it's not going to get you there. By saving money, your money is being devalued. So over a period of time, it's not going to last as long. So the only thing that you can do, and again, this is what this is what the 5% truly understands. And they understand leverage meaning that I can't work enough hours. I can't trade enough time for money to make enough because I'm still going to be behind. I, I can have a high paying job, but when I increase my income with the high paying job, I have more in taxes. I'm going to pay more in taxes. Yes, I can become an investor and have my money work for me, but only a small amount of people in the United States uh, are savvy enough to do that. Yeah. So, that's therein therein lies the wealth gap that we you address each and every time here the rich get richer and that's how and the poor get poorer and that's how because we stick it in the ground exactly so what in order to in order to to, in order to win at this game you need multiple streams of income Mm -hmm. and i will say this until the cows come come uh, come home you need to become a business owner that is how you create multiple streams of income. That is how you create wealth. That is how you stay ahead of inflation. And that's how you win at this game. You can't do it by trading. T- Matter of fact, if you could do it uh, by just having a high paying job, then most athletes would be financially financially secure for the rest of their lives. Yeah. But you know that that's not the case. No, we read about it all the time. They they blow it. They don't know what to do with it. Their buddies come and suck it all up and blow it up their nose or party it or blow it or whatever here. It just right. it comes and it goes. Larry Bird uh, did an article. He was talking about and people people criticized Larry Bird because he was so, you know, he was such a he was fugal, a fugal, frugality. Okay. That's that's what he practiced. I, I, I didn't know that. Right. And so when the people, when his, when friends or players or associates that they played, they were out of the league and they came back and they asked him for money, he wouldn't do it hmm. because he was telling these guys, hey, look, you need to practice frugality. You need to make sure that after your playing days, you set yourself up because you're not going to have the same income. Right. You, you, you're going to have to change your standard of living. And a lot of people, again, they have a certain amount of income. They generate these these expenses and liabilities, and then once they lose that income, those liabilities and expenses are still there. As a matter of fact, they grow. People do that all the time. You get a new job, an actor gets a new part, a player gets hired for a big team. First thing he does is go out and big, big, buy a big car, buy a big house. Everything goes up because he thinks I can afford it. And then something happens. He gets hurt. You lose that job, and all of a sudden, you still got the car, you still got the house, but you can't pay for it anymore so imagine you you set your, you have that income now and you set yourself up to whereas you're putting a certain percentage in precious metals because you're, you're it's like a uh, insurance a currency insurance you're protecting yourself and your future buy, purchasing power or you set up income streams for yourself life insurance annuities and things like that to whereas when you stop playing you still have another reservoir of wealth that you can tap into right that you can use as collateral but again they're not being taught these things most of these a lot of a lot of people that you would think would have the advisors around them that will give them information about getting a will and getting a trust and making sure that you have the right uh, investments in place for longevity um, they won't do it 
because they make more money in the long run by these players and these athletes or these entertainers or people with high incomes not putting themselves in a position to maintain that wealth. So it, today you want to tell me by cleaning it up. You want to tell me that the Rifleman was wrong, that all these little TV shows I watched as a kid in the 60s where they said, go get a piggy bank, go put your coins away, be safe, save, save, save. We were a saving society. That was a sucker's bet. We're getting to the point where the wages <laughs> are getting so low. They're getting so low. Uh, there's going to come a time when people are going to have nothing and they're going to be happy about it. That they have no assets. That they have no income producing assets. Their wages are going to be really low and they're going to be happy. Why? Because it's not about about how much money you make. It's about how you make your money. And you can see the same thing going on in China. The wages are so low uh, the, 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 their expenses are so high. A lot of these, you know, in China, they'll work 12 hours a day, 12 on, 12 off. Yeah. For low wages. Yeah. And what happens? The government has to step in and subsidize health care and dental and food stamps and things like housing, that. Housing. And housing. So right. what, what does that do to the share price of the companies? If they're paying low wages or they can lay off their workers anytime they feel like it, uh, the stock price goes up. The shareholders make more money. And they just put it off on the government. Rich get richer and the poor get poorer. That's the wealth gap. That's, That's the wealth it. Gap. Well, if you don't want to play that game, how do they get in touch with you? If they want to, they want a coach, they want a guide, they want a uh, plan in place to uh, to shrink that gap as much as they can in their life here. And the first thing I want you to do is go to closingthewealthgap.net and follow follow our content. Hit follow. Uh, go to tyronefrench.coach. And sign up for our wealth club. At the very minimum, get a free financial plan. I mean, when I say free, I mean free. It's a, it's it's one of the best financial plans you're ever going to find. Uh, it, you can set it up. It only takes five minutes to set up. Or I'll give you, I'll you give you an alternative. They can come to my website and sign up for a poverty club. We're, we're <laughs> we got a poverty club going here. <laughs> If you don't want to be wealthy, I got a poverty club in a guaranteed way to impoverish you. Join well, actually, club. here's the thing, though. Um, you don't have to do anything uh, to live in poverty. That's, <laughs> that's why I say mine's really easy. Mine's free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a given. You know, but in order to be financially astute and financially successful, um, you got to follow a plan. Yeah, and not just have follow a plan, but there has to be a system in place. And I guarantee you that everybody, every successful person that you ever came across, uh, they're following a system and they had a plan. But first and foremost, they knew exactly where they were and they knew exactly where they wanted to go. You know, I'm not a big gambler, but occasionally go out to a casino or something here. And there are people like me that just throw the money away and play for a little while. It seems fun, but you know you're going to lose. Or there are people who have a system. Yes. And you sit down, and they're betting the odds, and they know what's happening. they got a system they're playing, and they're winning. And one, of the best, one of the best things I learned about or learned from the United States Navy is that they taught me, and I began to understand systems. Yeah. I began to see patterns. I began to see cycles. I understood frequency. I understood vibrations. And it was um, uh, Nikola Tesla. Mm-hmm. He said, if you want to understand the universe— he said, think about three things, energy, 
frequency and vibrations. Wow. Okay. Energy, frequency, and vibrations. And again, you don't have matter without vibrations. Yeah, little that atoms exists. are vibrating. That's what they, that's how they so generate in energy. In layman's term, your activity is the vibration that's giving you the material thing that you need. Oh, you're getting two way out from me now here. I, I, I can't follow you now here. All I want to, I got to follow your stuff here. We all got to go. Give us to us one more time because we're running out of time. Where do we go find these? I want you to go to TyroneFrench.net. Hit that follow button. I, I'll repeat that over and over and over again. But also go to TyroneFrench.coach. Yeah. Join our wealth club. Become a part of this community. Start getting this information. And just like going to a gym, once you start putting the activity in, you begin to see the results. There you go. And as you're seeing the results, it makes you it, it motivates you inspire you to keep going and keep doing it until you hit until you're at that place to you reach and your that's goal all we're trying to do right we're trying to get you to that place where you want to be financial. and not just you but your kids and your grandkids well that's we're talking it. about generational wealth that starts it. with you too few of us think generationally we're just trying to think day by day all right tyrone french as always controversial makes me think makes me think what am i doing wrong and makes me realize that I got to change the way I think about this whole thing. Everything, I'm not going to say everything, but a lot of things that you heard in the past um, about finances and money uh, was just wrong. Just wrong. Just wrong. The rifleman led me wrong. Well, I'm glad we got you. We got modern media and modern conversations like this to open our eyes to a different way and to understand there are people who know how to play the game who have a coach and who play it at a much higher level than most of us do here. And it ain't that hard. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Have a good holiday. We won't be back on the air until December here. And uh, we'll do a couple more shows in December. And then, uh, boy, I can't wait to see what your take is on the new year. New politics, new, is inflation going to flare? Have we Are we dampening it down? Are, is the change in uh, Congress going to mean anything, or is it just going to be more stalemate? And what is this, What? Well, how is this going to shake up the world? Or is it all, you, you tend to think it's all just still the same It doesn't song. matter who's in office, Republicans, yeah. Democrats, it, it doesn't matter. What matters is your own personal economy. And once you get the information and you start, you begin to live that lifestyle and you have those multiple streams of income. I mean, Donald Trump said it best. I contribute to both parties yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and to get what I wanted. I so hedge I my bets. Get to, you get to the point where you're not just a voter, but you're contributing to people can't to people's uh, politicians campaigns. Yeah, that's a that's a whole nother conversation. That's a whole nother conversation. Well, we look forward to all this is coming in the new year as we play some of the same tunes over and over again and and improvise and add a few more notes along the way here. Thanks for joining us. Have a good uh, Thanksgiving and uh, we'll see you in December here. You too, Paul. All right. Take care. That's our show for this week. Closing the Wealth Gap. The one show, the only show that shows you how to take control of your financial future. Right here in Orange County's only community radio station, OCTalkRadio.net.